You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red on a fine Monday morning where Nottingham Forest are up to eighth in the championship. There is not a one in front of the eighth. They are actually flying pretty high and four points off the playoffs after after a resounding 4-1 win at Swansea. To discuss that game in the company of, first of all, former Forest player and Sky Sports presenter David Prutton. Hello, Prutz, are you well? I'm very, very well, even though before you introduce the man that, that is joining us, I feel a tad underdressed from a festive point of view because one man's absolutely come here with all bells ringing. It looks fantastic, doesn't it? Go on. Yes, uh, Reds fan Mikey Clark has got a tremendous Christmas jumper on for those of you uh, not watching on Facebook or YouTube. Mikey, are you well? I'm great, yeah. I've, uh, I think I've got seven or eight Forest Christmas jumpers, so it's an easy choice, really. Just pick the one at the top of the top of the drawer. Oh, so it's, it's December, isn't it? It's Christmas jumper month, and we're doing really well. So why not? Why not be uh, in the festive mood? Well, I've worked out what the echo was. It was because I had the YouTube window open on another tab. So sorry about amateur. that. That's what was amateur. absolute amateur, absolute amateur, but not an amateur. I should. I meant to add into Mikey's intro. He is like Forrest in our fancy league team, right? Fancy league rising up the table from the depths of despair after a tremendous week. Now mid table. Congratulations <laughs> to Mikey. Do you play Prots? Fancy football? Yeah. No. You've got too much to do. You're a busy man. I, aren't I, you? I don't, let's be honest, and this will will um, back up what I'm about to say. I don't know enough to be able to put a team together. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's get cracking. Um, Forrest, 30 points from the last 15 games, the best record in the league so far. What do you make of that, Prats? I mean, you look at some of the other teams in the Championship, you know, they're, they're up against Bournemouth and Fulham, second and third, I think. You know, I mean, it's a bit of an obvious thing to say, but Steve Cooper's doing a pretty steady job, isn't he? He's done fantastic. I think. There's a real, and it's, it's stuff we're going to come on to, there's a real connection, I feel, between the fans and the manager, um, what the manager's trying to do at the football club with regards to the standards that he's setting. As we know, things started to drift under Chris, even though he was working night and day to try and make it better. But what he's provided the players with is a way of playing that I think it's safe to say has been both effective and easy on the eye. I mean, culminating, of course, with him going back down to South Wales and um, resolutely thumping his old side. So it's... It's good, solid work that he's done so far. I think every time you hear him open his mouth, the respect for him grows more and more and more because he's always very honest um, and very. Um, you can tell he's very honoured as well, the position that he's got in the football club. So uh, right now, I mean, it reflects the um, joviality of, of Mikey and his and his festive jumper. Things, things are all heading in the right direction. There's plenty of smiles on the face, isn't there, around the city ground? How much? I mean, he will he will play it down. But how much do you think he'll have enjoyed going back to Swansea? Because when before he came to Forest, their fans were like, "Oh, he's getting negative football. It's all very boring." Obviously, it's not not been was, the case. I, I I was I was chatting about this with a, with a colleague of mine earlier on today, and I'd actually touched base with Steve when he'd left Swansea with regard to how Russell. And I've got a lot of time for Russell as well, but Swansea. Um, how the perception of what Russell was doing seemed to be there was a, a small faction that were almost, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a complete about turn from what Steve was doing. And I was really kind of scratching my head. And I don't know whether it's because in my capacity of what I do, I do watch a lot of football and see a lot of football, that sometimes you, picking out singular games becomes a little bit difficult because there's that much coming at you. But I never sat there and watched Swansea and thought, my God, this is, I mean, a hard watch. It's it's tough to tough to get through. Because at their absolute best, they had a pair of flying wingers or, or wing-backs were fantastic. They had players that could score goals. There was that little run around Christmas last year where they seemed to be eking out wins with penalties, dubious penalties, some some of them. But it never struck me as, as a way of playing that would be branded negative or anything like that. And I, I think I, I had a, a, a chat, like I said, a chat with Steve after he'd left Swansea and it was in between jobs. And he was just a little bit... Because he, he should be rightly proud of what he did there, getting them as far as he did in the playoffs. And just a little bit narked about perhaps the perception of how a new manager transformed the way of playing. Because, like I said, unless I've completely missed the point of what his Swansea side were, they were good to watch and they were an, a, a good attacking team. And you don't get to the playoffs by just kind of, obviously, I mean, Barnsley get to the playoffs, that's a different uh, debate altogether. But I think given the way that he played football and uh, him coming into Forest, it just seemed to me like it really fits. And, it, and it's fitting really well so far, isn't it? 
Mm. Um, Mikey, you, you pointed out how he said post-match he's falling in love with the club and Putt said about how he's forged that bond with the fans. Do you feel that love back to him? Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, when he, when, he, um, when he made that comment, uh, I think it was on local radio, uh, I initially went, no, don't say that because it's like it reminded me of you know when you were have a holiday romance or something but at the moment we, we're kind of we're kind of still on the beach you know it's 30 degrees and, we're, and you know it's the good times and you know just been told you know she loves me it's a bit it's nice but you want to see it when you when you're back home and she's living Man, with you right, is this, yeah. is this, this feels like we're this is getting a bit too biographical yeah, I, think. Yeah. I think it's um no he's great at pr isn't he isn't he steve cooper but i think it's I'd like to see if the love is reciprocated and it's still at that level when, you know, we're back home and we're arguing about washing the pots and we've lost a few games. Do you see what I mean? At the moment, it's still the the honeymoon period. But I think by saying that, it sort of emphasises his drive and determination. And, and I think we all know, it, it's regardless of what you do in life, if you, if you love your job, mm. then your performance levels um, and your productivity will be really high. And that's coming across and that's that's sort of disseminating itself to the players and you can see that on the pitch. So I know I joke and say I went, oh, no, 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 it's too soon. But but I think in reality, and, and there's no reason to think that Steve's being sort of disingenuous when he says this, you can see it. You, you can see it with your own eyes, you know, the, the arms around the players, the... Uh, trying to get the best out of some of our young talent. There's no stifling anymore. It's go out, express yourself on the pitch. And you can see what Steve's trying to do there. And he's obviously loving what he's doing. And it's uh, it's been an incredible start. J- just one thing to add as well, you know, I think we've got, I think you said, what, 30 points on the last 15, which is sort of the, the top of the form chart. It's probably worth worth pointing out as well that I think it's six of the eight games since Chris left. Um, six of the eight wins, sorry, we've won by more than one goal, which is outstanding. If you think to last season, I think we only scored 36, 37 goals in the whole season. I think we scored 30 already. So it's almost like we don't sit back on our laurels. If we go one, the lot, we'll try to get the second. And that's playing into everybody's sort of talents and performance levels. And it's it's a joy to watch at the moment, Matt. It really is. You want to come in before, Prots? Yeah, and, and going off what Mike said about the, the the comments with Steve talking about his love for, or, or the the fondness that he's feeling for the football club, in it only been there because we went. So I can't remember what date it was when I came down to chat to you at the city ground because it wasn't too long after we'd been there. We bumped into him in the car park, didn't we? And it, it, it'd gone from it'd been a, in some meeting and he was off to watch the twenty threes, I think, or whoever, whoever it was that night somewhere. Um, and we're chatting about it, and he was saying about the first home game that he took charge of. When the fans were singing pre-match, before obviously the whistle blows and we, we get all the all the stuff that goes on nowadays around that, he, he said it. He said it, and, and he wasn't saying this in an, in an affected way or doing it for the sake. Of, he said it genuinely stopped him in his tracks, didn't it? He kind of looked towards the transcend and thought, "What the hell?" And obviously you got the big wave of uh, the A block coming back at you as well. And he, 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 he said it, that the kind of gravity of of the place. He obviously knows about it. You'd, you'd have to be living under under a footballing rock to not know about what Nottingham Forest are. But he said to see it firsthand and feel it firsthand really did kind of take him back, which, again, I know what Mikey's saying because we, we understand how sound bites are very easily put out and then suddenly a manager's either gone or a, it's like the star striker. I love this place. Suddenly gets a new contract somewhere else and he's disappeared. And and it's one's bitten. I've said one's bitten. It's 100 times bitten for a fan, isn't it? And, and you still go back for more. But that's the very nature of what it is to be a football fan. But... What he's saying there, and, and I think he's extremely genuine in the sense of what he understands. And having known that he's touched base with the men that made that football club what it is today, uh, i.e. a couple of generations ago, he understands that tapping into that is going to help him moving forward, not just for soundbites, but understanding what that place is about. And like I said, it's, I mean, it's in its infancy completely, his managerial tenure there, isn't it? But I think from what what he could have possibly done, I think it's it's... It's full marks just about so far. Um, you watched the game in full, Mikey. I've, I've, we've only seen the highlights. Uh, it looked like Forrest could have been behind at half-time and then really turned it on in the second half. I mean, you saw it all. What, what did you make of it? Was it a well-deserved scoreline or was it a little bit flattering? 
it was in the end, and I won't use any uh, metaphors in this answer, Matt, I promise. Um, I think the first half, certainly the first sort of 20 or 30 minutes was was difficult, but you, you kind of expect that going to Swansea. You know they're going to have a lot of possession. Um, you know that a lot of it is going to be in front of the defence. And I think initially seeing Yates drop into that back five as, as, as a standard to make it a back five was intriguing. Um, it took real guts, I think, to make that call. I don't think he's he's started a game in the back five. I think he moved in to, to the back four maybe when we played in the cup, I seem to remember. But to start a midfielder in a back five, um, and Cooper came out at the end and said, basically, um, this is how we thought the game would go. We were tactically spot on. We knew it would be on the floor. We knew they'd have a lot of possession in front of us. And so by explaining explaining his thought process and in his um, reasoning for making that decision, it just made a hell of a lot of sense. But I think watching it live, I was intrigued to see how the game would pan out. And it kind of panned out how I thought it was. Water, sorry. You get over that first sort of <clears throat> 25, 30 minutes. They missed a couple of absolute sitters. One, I still can't understand how he missed it. Um, I think it was 2-2 two, two that sort of headed it ball across. Um, I think he's their top scorer. He just put it over the bar and Samba was was completely unpositioned there. Um, so you ride a bit of luck <clears throat> and then you build into the match. And I thought second half, we were fantastic. Now, getting the early goal obviously helped. Bit of class by, by Zink and Argo. Um, but I always think that when Forrest take the lead, it kind of plays into our hands because we have a, a number of exceptionally quick players and um, human nature suggests, even teams like Swansea kind of play in front of you, suggests that you take a sort of step forward to try and chase the game. And that plays into our hands. So sort of from the sort of 50th, 55th minute, we were constantly breaking on them with Spence and with Johnson down the right. Um, and then with obviously Zink and Eagle down the left and sort of grab and moving it into that channel. And it played into our hands perfectly. So I wasn't surprised whatsoever Um to see us go 2-0 up. What I was really surprised at, pleasantly surprised as well, is when they pulled a goal back from a bit of a deflection, but it was a good hit. I think, I'll be honest, my initial reaction was, because I'm quite pragmatic personally, was who do we have on the bench defensive-wise? How can we shore it up? <laughs> you know, see out 10 or 15 minutes, try and get through with a 2-1. Um, I think he just brought on Cafu. But you never saw that on the pitch. In fact, if anything, and it played out like this, it, it was always as it was going to get that that third and that fourth goal. And it goes back to the point I made earlier, Matt, which was six of the eight wins since previous manager left have been by more than one goal. There's no resting on the laurels for this group of players and for this team um, and for this way of playing. And it's it will take me time personally to trust that that process is right because... I'm sure, having watched the last couple of years of football, when it has been very pragmatic, and if you get a 1-0 lead, just try and hold on to it, to try and change that mindset to, yes, it is 2-1 or it is 1-0, let's try and get that second, let's try and get that third. And Steve Cooper's brought that immediately to Forest, and it's playing out in the performances and the results. So I thought, in summary, Matt, I thought performance was spot on, especially the second half. We rode our luck in the first half, absolutely tactically and uh, the way we were so clinical with our chances really does bode well for the future. I think it's 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 a really exciting time at the moment. It's hull up next at home. You've got to be looking for a win there. And then who knows, we could just be one one result off those playoffs. So, yeah, really positive. Um, there's lots to pick the bones out of there. What about, is this the way to get promoted from the Championship now? Years gone by, you could maybe grind out a 1-0, couldn't you? But not many teams are good enough to see out 1-0 wins now. Is, is playing on the front foot and, the, you know, the, the high press that's very much in fashion, is that the way to get out of the league from what you've seen this season? Yeah, I, I think as well. It, it's it's refreshing the sense of, from Mikey's point of view, if you're watching that, then if you're, you've got a team and a squad and a manager that actively wants to put the opposition to bed and the results to bed uh, emphatically, then it's quite obviously done it. If you look at, as, as Mikey was saying, the, the margin of, of victory in the, in the win so far since taking over shows 
there's managers going, oh, this particular manager that Forrest have got is going about winning games. Now, that might sound a little bit backwards, but in the sense, but we have seen, as you said, that there's a couple of games that we were watching that would have been still when fans were allowed back in, in. And I can't remember what game it was, but there was one particular way that the game panned out at the city ground where it was one all with about 20 minutes to go. And there was a collective sense of settling for a point in that game, which would have drawn groans from the crowd. When there's no crowd there, the game just absolutely died on its ass. You know what I mean? It just went and went and went and went. And, went. and you're thinking, is that where Forrest are now? Hoping for a point? Anyway, and I don't even remember it being against somebody that was running away with the division or anything like that. So there is that. Sense. And obviously, you, a manager's got to put the team out and see a game at how he sees fit and reacts in real time to it. And what Steve's managing to do is instilling a bit of confidence. That, as Mikey's saying, you're not sat there as a fan thinking, mm, it could be a bit nail-biting now. But the players have obviously got the confidence to know that in a game like Swansea, that want to dominate the ball. But if they're dominating the ball in front of you, it takes a bit of legwork, a bit of organisation defensively, but it's fine. If you've got the ball in front of you and everyone's behind you, numbers and, and, and um, the sheer physics of the thing means that they're going to have a hell of a chance to get in behind you. So the little bit of riding your luck as well, which comes in a, in a game such as that, means that they've got a set way of playing, an identity, the key words obviously in, in football nowadays, aren't they? A philosophy of, of seeing off teams. And I think that's actively taking your promotion future in your hands or potential promotion future in your hands and doing something about it which I think as you say Matt is, is a good way of attacking the championship um, <clears throat> Ryan Yates doesn't play in a million percent dissimilar way to the way you played really that kind of energetic midfielder you can debate the quality levels as I see you smiling and, 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 whether, and whether Ryan would be happy with that comparison <laughs> uh, exactly yeah but anyway um, as a centre half I mean hmm. Is that a big ask if you was put your, your boots back on mentally? Would, how would you feel about playing centre half? And do you think Yates is a viable backup option there for the for, for the future? Depends, because uh, what from what we've discussed on here and what I've heard in dispatches about Ryan is, like you say, he's got the energy to get about a football pitch, the athleticism as well. Whether he takes enough chances in possession is possibly an area of debate. I think um, whether he is he's is relatively safe or conservative in his passing choices. Whereas in defence, you have to be relatively safe and conservative, even though obviously Steve wants to play a certain way. There won't be too many times you're forcing passes into very tight gaps from from a place. Because if you do that in, in midfield and it gets cut out between you and a striker, you've got your midfield, your teammates, and then your defence behind you. You do it as a centre-half or one of a back three, and suddenly they're right in behind you. They're bearing down on goal. So there is an element of of uh, needing to be very, very responsible in that. Um, and I think having that energy as well, that, that ability to get about the pitch, to get yourself out of trouble or get your defence out of trouble as and when these situations uh, occur is, is is an absolute positive. So um, I think it goes to show the the approach of him as a player, which we've always seen. And we, we've said before, haven't we, Matt, we've, there's, there's been times when perhaps unfairly he's been singled out for what the Forest side hasn't been doing collectively, which I always find that a bit tricky because let's err on the side of what he can do, don't don't castigate a player for what he can't do. If he simply can't do something, then to, to say, I mean, you can't, then to kind of pile on because he can't, he can't do something, I, I don't think is very productive. But to, to to look at what he does, his approach to playing in a different position, he strikes me as the type of fellow that would have been told that that's the case. Yes, boss, no worries, I'll go and do my absolute best in that position, which I think in a, in a squad game that we need, like we see now in the Championship, is absolutely imperative. So, yes, it can simplify things, whether it's, going to be his position from here on in uh, remains to be seen and, and whatever the full strength defence looks like as and when it's available to Steve. Yeah, I mean, Figueredo was ill, so I think that's why he dropped back. But Mikey let Colback get back into midfield and they brought in Osei Tutu and left a, a Hader on the bench. What did you make of Osei Tutu? He's very highly rated at Forest so by the sounds of it. But is it fair to say he was rusty and perhaps that's not surprising? Uh, a little bit, but um, I like the look of him. Um Especially when he, uh, I think his debut was against Bournemouth. I may be wrong, but I thought he looked he looked excellent then until he got injured. And obviously, he came back at the weekends. I think he was due to play a under twenty threes game that that didn't happen. So again, another brave decision by Cooper putting him straight in um, into a back five that included a midfielder. So again, brave decisions. I thought he did okay. Obviously. I would say set up a third goal. I think that's a bit generous of me, but he, he had the shot that got spilled. He was flagging a bit towards the end, 
Um, and obviously Bond came on and they shifted it around. But he gave absolutely everything and looked knackered when he came off, to be honest with you. Um, in fact, the whole team did. I, I remember a, a game at, I think, Blackburn at home when we lost 2-1 that. And um, I said to uh, the guy next to me, look at look at Blackburn closing us down in the 90th minute. Look at them running. You don't see that at Forest. And you know what I saw at Swansea, and I have done, is I'll give you loads of examples. Jack Colback, 89th minute, ran 30 yards um, to close back, I think, their wing back who was going forward. And it's just that extra desire and energy that we're now seeing in this team. And Tutu fitted in really, really nicely. He was a bit rusty, to be honest with you. But if he's if he's going to play with those energy levels and we're going to play wing backs, he's going to need that energy to go up and down. Um, and I thought he did fine. And, and I suppose the good thing as well with him is I think he can play either side. So I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to, you know, the potential or the probability of, of Spence leaving. It could be that we have, I'll say, 2-2 just to move into that role. Of course, that leaves a bit of a space on the left-hand side. But the flexibility of the team is now being shown, you know, with callback playing, wing-back and full-back. Yates going into the back five. I'll say 2-2 playing either side. It must be a manager's dream having these players that can play any position and you can slot him in according to the demands of the actual game. So he did really well, Matt, as did all the team on Saturday. It's just another stepping stone to where we want to be. We've got to back that up now on Saturday against Hull. Um, we'll come on to Spence in a second. I just wanted to ask, what do those 30-yard sprints mean late in the game? Is it... Players are fighting for their places. Is it about team spirit? Are they buying into the manager? Is it all of the above? Because it does send a message of a sort, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, and when you're within that and you're feeling the confidence that comes from the way that they're playing, the results that they're getting, that lung buster at the end will feel... It, it's a it's a psychological thing that you you feel and look and, and appear fitter than the opposition. It's a way of really hammering home that fact. Yes, you are in front in a game such as this, but you've got the energy and the appetite for doing those types of things. And I think I, I don't think it's done in a premeditated way at all by a footballer because you've got to react in the moment. But it's 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 hugely, as Mikey's saying, appreciated by the fans, whether it leads to stopping anything, whether it does anything really tangible on the pitch it is, is, is uh, relative to what happens, obviously, in the, in the following seconds. But I think it is that sense of um, willing to bust the gut. Now, again, listening to this and, and, and hearing... Mikey's take on it all and him seeing so many different incarnations of Forest sides. We're not talking about different players, are we, from the ones under Chris? So the part of me says, well, yes, the manager gets the bullet for things not going too well. But fundamentally, more often than not, it's players that get managers the sack, isn't it, because of how they perform. And whether that's done in a way that, whether the shackles were on, whether they were inhibited, that's that's a debate for, for, for days gone by. But it goes to show what this squad are capable of. Now, I think you've got to temper the the what we're seeing and what we're talking about. Uh, and again, from what Mikey's saying, that that real um, positivity and, and levity with what we're seeing with this Forest side. But on the flip side of it is, you look at the Championship as well, and we'll come on to it maybe very shortly in a bit more of a broader context. But it quite aptly shows that this Forest side have, have come up woefully short for quite a long time now. And now maybe is the season. Now you look at what's going on at the top. The top two are getting pegged back slightly, looking a bit inconsistent. What the makeup of the top six is, absolutely Forest have got to be looking at that, saying that's where we're going. Mm. Um, let's pick the bones out of the game a little more before we go on to January. Forest scored uh, three lovely goals and one not lovely goal, thanks to Ben Hamer. Which well, was... If it goes in, it's a lovely goal, Max. Oh, well, that's true. It did certainly help Forest get the win because they were a little bit under pressure at the time. Um, let's ask you about a couple of players, Mikey. Zink and Agel, he's capable of brilliance, but he's also capable of not featuring in a, a game or two in a row, isn't he? What, how do you view him? Yeah, I really like him. That's probably why he's in the, in the Championship and not featuring in Watford's first team in the Premier League because of that slight inconsistency. But I, I think there's no doubt that when he's on it, he's on it. And he, he's really good. He's capable of the sublime from his from his boots. I think he's got three goals for Forrest now. And they've all... Oh, no. One of them was a tap-in, sorry. But the other two were absolute screamers. Um, <clears throat> so he's They're capable. all lovely goals. 
<laughs> all lovely girls. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably why he's with us. I think, did he come out this week and say he'd like to stay till the end of the season? Well, if that's yeah. the case, that's that's fantastic because he's, I think he's an integral part of what we're trying to do. Again, he's one of those players that is flexible and versatile. He can play wide. He can play in behind. He can even play central midfield. So that gives Cooper the option to sort of tinker, dependent on on the team that we're playing. Um, and he's got a lot of players sort of come into their own in the, in the business end of the season. And you'd like to think that Zinkenegel might be one of them. I think if you look at his his record, when he was with that team in, in Norway, his, his, his goal record, I think he got 30 goals in 80 games or something like that, which which uh, obviously encouraged Watford to to buy him, was, was phenomenal. So he's capable of goals, he's capable of assists. Um, he's a cracking player, certainly at this level. I think you look at the... And I know we're going to go on to it in terms of um, the teams around us and what they've got and where Forrest think we can end up. I don't think many of them have got a player like him, you know. Like, if you look at players that can turn a game on its head within the space of five, ten seconds, he's one of them. Johnson's maybe another. We've got quite a few. So that gives you uh, positivity and optimism for the remainder of the season. But I think he's integral. And if we can keep him till the end of the season, if if he's not one of them that gets recalled, um, he could be very, very crucial because because he's got that that magic in an instant and because he's um, got that experience as well, which is, you know, a relatively young group around him. Um, he could be very, very integral to what we're trying to do. I think he's I think he's a really, really good player. But again, like like you said, Matt, he's uh, occasionally inconsistent, which is probably why he's in the championship. But I think he's I think he's ideal for us at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, on the last bit on the game itself, probably we were talking before we started. I mean, Forrest did score some good goals, but if you put your Swansea hat on, if you're a Swansea fan, the third and fourth goals are pretty shambolic, aren't they? But you, I just guess you perhaps give credit to Forrest for taking advantage, particularly the fourth through Taylor and Cafu. It's a, a good finish, yeah. to be fair. I mean, the boring take on it is you you can only beat what's put in front of you, and that's not me belittling Swansea by any stretch of imagination. I was reading Russell's comments after the game and. It's a position that they found themselves in a few times with regards to letting the opposition in. Obviously, with re- you've got to be in those offensive positions to take advantage of those opportunities that do arise, and that's what Forrest did so very well at the weekend. But um, yeah, I-, I think given what the nature of the championship can be, which games are decided on quite a lot of the time on uh, set pieces and mistakes, you still got to take them and be ruthless enough. And maybe that word ruthless, and I'm sure. Mike, you'll have an opinion on that. It's not something that's been synonymous with Forrest, does it, over the past couple of seasons, being ruthless. But I suppose at the weekend, that showed that side of it, which as much as Steve's made him extremely likeable and the squad as a whole seems to come across like a really likeable bunch of professional footballers, they do need that edge to them to be able to compete at the very top. True. Do you agree, Mikey? I I do. I was just going to say, in terms of being ruthless... I think at one point in the first half near the end we had twenty one percent possession. That's that's hilarious. So it just it just kind of shows you that there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat, you know. And, and Swansea's way is to try and pass a team to death. Our way is slightly different. So you don't need huge amounts of possession, but when you do get that opportunity, you've got to finish it. And going back to the previous point, with players like Zink and Agalin, they are capable of doing just that. So if we're going to play that way at home against teams that just kill us with possession, who better to have in your team than, than players that can just turn a game on its head? That kind of leads into our January discussion. The second goal really sums that up because Spence and Johnson combine. Spence, there seems to be an understanding there now because Spence is playing that ball in behind. Brennan loves a low cross. It's a really good ball into the back post. He's probably, I don't think there's many better wingers in the championship for that kind of high-quality low ball. But Prutz... If Forrest were to lose one or maybe both mm. of those in January, it does it does kind of lead into that fear that so much of the season hangs on what happens in in the coming months, doesn't it? Does I think Steve's been quite vocal, hasn't he, about either not returning calls or not making making sure that he's not in any discussions that ends up with players leaving, therefore breaking that loop that actually stops them <laughs> leaving the football club. So. It, I, we've seen it before, and I, I've mentioned it on it before, but it's not just about how an individual plays, it's about what he brings out of other players. So if you look at what Joe, Lolly and Matty Cash were doing down 
uh, that side of the football pitch, then they brought the best out of each other. And I, I think it's safe to say since Matty left, you've not seen, obviously, Joe's had injuries, etc. cetera. Uh, the, the best version of Joe uh, in that same time period, whereas Matty's career has gone from strength to strength, of course. And what Jed and, and, and um, Brennan seem to have together, as you say, is understanding to know that they can absolutely maximise each other's best bits, the pace of Brennan, the decision-making, which has grown, I think, with Brennan as well. It's one thing to get into those positions. It's another thing to be able to pick up the right pass at that specific period of time, which in in itself means that a player is destined for a higher level because it's about making less mistakes, of course, isn't it? How do we get and making more of the right decisions? So there is that sense of looking at those two players. Yes, it's it's it seems slightly more... If it was to happen, and I'm not trying to um, kind of crystallise this for Forest fans so it does happen, but with the situation that Jed's in, that seems more straightforward if he was to go back um, to Borough. Whereas with Brennan, if you get that attention, there's so many ducks that have to get in a row with a player going to wherever he's destined to go to, possibly, um, uh, with him potentially moving on. But right now, they've got a great understanding. They're doing fantastically well for the team, starting a lot of games for players of their age, which is imperative. And I think, I presume from Forest fans' point of view, it's just kind of tiptoeing through January without too much. Like, it's doing more right. Let's keep it down a little bit. Don't, don't shout too loud. So maybe we're doing them a disservice here by saying, we should say they were terrible against Swansea. They looked out getting through. They're three lucky goals, one tapping, uh, and, and they're still a work in progress, which kind of potentially pushes the vultures away, doesn't it? Who are the most important players to keep, Mikey? Because I guess you would have Warhol as a potential departure as well. Max Lowe. Although his injury probably helps Forrest because Sheffield United are less likely to recall him now. I don't think Garner's going to go back and I don't think Zinkenagel's going back. So it probably comes down to Warrell, Spence and um, Johnson of the players who might go, which is the most important to keep. Yeah, I think Prox is absolutely spot on what he just said. I completely agree. I think um, it's, a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I guess there's the thought process that, that says... <laughs> I, I, can, um, I can see it taking over in your mind, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I really don't want to talk about do, it. Do, do you know why it is as well? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Worrell, and I know my wife absolutely loves Joe Worrell, so if I say that if there's one player we should cash in, it's Worrell, I'm in for absolute pelters after she this. Kick that door down, because I know she's there with your dog. She'll set the yeah. dog on you. Um, so I might just skirt around that one a little bit. Um I think I think with Johnson, uh, with his contract situation, uh, I think it probably serves him better personally to to maybe stay with us till the end of the season. And then if we don't, if we're not successful in getting promoted, we could we could look at doing something then. Um, I think if you sell Johnson now, it's a it's a bit of a kick in the gut, and everything that we're doing well going forward is is, is tending to go through him. So if you take that piece out of the jigsaw that's going to be very, very difficult to replace, not only on the pitch, but the fact that he's he's one of our own, he's come through the academy, the fans have got that bond with him immediately. I guess it's the same for Worrell as well. Um, He's got a bit longer left on his contract, of course, and I know we're looking at players like Suter from Hearts, who's a really good player, by the way. Um, So I guess he may be slightly easier to replace Joe Worrell, but he is, in my opinion, the captain of the club. Um, obviously he's the vice-captain with Graben being the captain so ideally do you know what Matt you'd want to keep them all but it's the food chain and, and we are a part of that food chain so I guess if one has to go my view will be it will probably be Worrell because he might be slightly easier to replace and the sort of negative connotations that come with selling somebody like Brennan at this point in time maybe something that the forest hierarchy don't want to go down um, so I didn't want to keep them all, but I will say Jed Spence has been a revelation since he's come here. He's a lot better than I thought he was, to be honest with you, seeing him at Borough. I used to live up in the northeast, so saw a bit of him. He's um he's fantastic. I think Neil Warnock said he's either destined for the Premier League or non-league. Well, having watched him, I think I can answer that question where he's going. Um, so I would I would try and do whatever it takes to get Spence here permanently, pay over the odds. I think he should be our number one target, if I'm honest, to try and keep it together. I don't know what they'd accept, if anything, for him. But, you know, I wrote down on here, on my, on my bit of paper, Brennan and Spence equals cash and lolly, exactly what Prutt said. Just breaking that up might cause us more problems than trying to 
buy two or three new players. So for me, it's just about keeping this squad together rather than maybe reinforcing with, you know, like Forrest always doing in a in a window, getting six or seven new players when really you only need one or two. But I think that one or two should be the one or two that are already here. Mm, mm. I think, I mean, to me, Spence is, is really good, but he's probably the easiest. You can replace him, I think. I mean, Connor Roberts seems like the obvious replacement of Burnley's. Can't get a kick there. So I think Forrest could do some, or I'll say 2-2. Do you think Mikey's right, Prats? Because Worrell's really good, but I think you can find a defender and make yourself organised. But that bit of stardust that Johnson provides, that's yeah. very difficult to replace, isn't it? Well, I mean, let's be honest. If you look at it from that point of view, and I mean, this is with the greatest respect to what Joe is as a player and as a person and what it means to Forrest, the big money comes for Brennan, doesn't it? Let's be honest, because that's just inherently how football particularly works in, in that um, in that kind of vein, what what Brennan can bring to a to an attack, the excitement that he brings, um, really does stand out, particularly in this division. Um, and with Joe, he's he's such a fundamental part of what it is to be uh, a Forest defender. I, I love as well is is when it, his cheeky digs in and around playing derby. He just cannot help himself, kind of. He, he, and it's if you if you're of a Forest persuasion, you kind of you see the mischief in his eyes when he's talking about their fiercest rivals, which um, helps to helps to embed you in the fans' um, sensibilities, doesn't it? But I, I can see what you're saying. I, I, it's funny, as you were saying, as, as Mikey was talking about Joe potentially going, and us obviously having spoken about Ryan Yates playing in the back. Uh, you know what I mean? It, I'm not saying that you... Oh, sorry, if Joe goes, you put Ryan there. I mean, he's played one game, did relatively well. It'll be absolutely fine. I understand that it's not as straightforward as that, but there is little inklings where you think, well, maybe the evolution of the team means that that could possibly happen but it's funny is it because you look at it purely from Forest and their aspirations in the championship where the rest of the season goes and again using Mikey's metaphor of the food chain Forest are in a position as they have been for the best part of 20 odd years now that if somebody wants their players at the right price unfortunately they'll go won't they whether whoever's interesting whoever Brennan's interesting or whoever Joe's interesting will given the very nature of what competitive football is, they won't care about Forrest's promotion push or, or their ambitions in the season. They'll go, oh, he's a good player. How much? 10 million, 15 million? Boom, thank you, bye. And then you're suddenly left there as a Forest fan going, oh, oh like We've got a load of games left and we want to be really good off the back of this. And and then, then it becomes a, a, another thing for Steve to have to manage as, as the head coach, whether he's going to have those tools at his, at his disposal to make sure that this best version of Forrest gets as high up the division as possible, or whether he's going to have to look at the team at the end of January and scratch his head and go, right, we're going to have to tweak a few things now to maintain our consistency and that push for the top six. Mm. I suppose we shouldn't rule out the possibility of a player going and then being loaned back, because that's mm. quite common. Um, who's the best defender in the Championship that you've seen this season? Is it? I, I assume Warhol and McKenna would be up there, but is there anyone better you've seen? Uh, what, as, as, a, as a partnership or as, as an individual? Individually, I was thinking. It's funny because you look at... Your eyes are always drawn, possibly, to the bigger teams. No, sorry. I will instantly reverse back from that, saying the bigger team. <laughs> the teams that are high up the division, boom. Um, and it's then done in a sense of um, what they're about. And you look at Fulham with Tim Ream and Adarabayo. Yes, they have been solid, but other times they've looked vulnerable, I think. And that's possibly where you see the up and down, potentially, of what Fulham have got. Um and again, as you work your way through through the top six, there are players that do stand out. But having spoken about Joe and seen Joe and seen a fair bit of him over the course of the last couple of seasons, I think he's a player that's really developed, not just as the player, but as a person as well. He accepts responsibility. He takes responsibility very, very well. And given the age that he's at and the amount of games that he's got under his belt, you're looking at a very robust footballer there that, if there is a jump to the Premier League, where that would be, I don't quite know. But I think even in a team that's not been at, literally, it was not, not, I mean, no team literally pulls up trees, do they? But it's not been in a team that's really been tearing up the division. To stand out in that sense shows how well he's been doing. So um, I'm just intrigued. And again, from Mikey's point of view, whether, whether a successful transfer window January transfer window for Forest is one that's very, very, very quiet from their point of view. I think that's that's where the thumbs up from the fans comes, doesn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Well, the chairman said they're going to be busy in terms of signing, which is uh, encouraging, certainly. Before we 
look at what they can do ultimately this season. I suppose we should talk about the upcoming games, which leads into January. They've got your hometown club, Hull at home. Prots, not your hometown, mm-hmm. Mikey. Then Borough away. Yeah. Okay. your hometown club. Definitely not from there now. No. Um, then, so, yeah, Hull at home, Borough away, Huddersfield at home, and Barnsley at home before the FA Cup tie against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So three home games against teams that aren't doing too much this season. Well, a couple of them certainly aren't. Mikey, does it feel like a big opportunity to push even into the top six, dare we dream, before the end of the year? It does. Uh, yeah, it absolutely does on paper. Um, I, I guess the, the the slight concern harping back to sort of previous season, I know that's not necessarily relevant now, is we always seem to do better against the teams that are doing well. And it's the teams that you think, oh, there's, a three, there's three points there, there's seven points out of nine there. We always tend to struggle against that. Um, so you're hoping that with the form that we're in and the run that we're on, and the way that we're playing, more importantly, and the confidence that's going through the side, um, you're hoping that they won't do what I've just done and hop back to, you know, previous seasons we always struggle. They'll just think, 11 against 11, we're on great form. They're not necessarily on great form. We're at home three times out of the four. We should, we should win these games. So I'm sure they will, and I'm sure Steve will set them up however he sets them up, back five, back four, however. Um, but I think the fans just need to maybe be uh, a little bit cautious and not automatically think, you know, these 10 points out of 12 here and, and anything else, anything less is a failure or, you know, we're going to make our feelings known at half-time if it's nil-nil. You know, that's that's not going to do anybody any good. Um, so, yes, but on paper, it's, it's a great opportunity and we're playing some great stuff. So you'd like to think we're going to do really, really well. But... If we do get a bump in the road or we go 1-0 down or 2-0 down, let's just make sure that as fans, we're behind them and we we see what's happened since Steve's took over. It's been great. You know, the character's there. We've proved we can come back. And let's just make sure that we're that 12th man, a bit corny, I know, but pushing them over the line. So I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, think it's going to be a 2-0, 3-0 job two or three games in a row. Because the championship just doesn't work like that, you know. The bottom team can beat the top team, so nothing's a given. And as long as everybody understands that, I think we're in for a really, really good Christmas. Because I can see, I, personally, I can actually see us winning quite a lot of these games. But um, it's not a given. But if we have a great Christmas, we could be there or thereabouts going into the new year, which is very exciting. Hmm. Reading are the worst team for that that cheesy 12th man thing. Have you seen that on the team sheet? They put the Reading fans as the 12th man on the team sheet. Have you not noticed that, Prozzi? Yeah, uh, terrible. Uh, I've not. I mean, it's, it's, and again, I said this with the greatest respect, is, is, is it known for its vociferous support there? It can be quite um, relaxed and quite genteel at times, can't it? It can, it can. Um, you're the king of championship predictions. I use king in inverted commas there. <laughs> what are you thinking about these next four games? I just... I, I, forgot for a second there that this is actually people can see this as well and you almost got a wave of a certain um caliber then but i didn't do it um, <laughs> I, I think all those games as as mike says eminently winnable um given what whole city have managed to pull out in recent games and find some real form and uh solidity is testament to what grant's done um borough with chris in, in charge you get the feeling that he's he's going to give everything he could possibly can to to, to get them somewhere near the top six come the end of the season. Huddersfield, I saw them up close and personal on Saturday. Um, they can play some very good football. They also seeded a lot of possession and chances to Coventry at home. So that's a team that I, I, you, you get the sense their fans are not too happy with the inconsistency that they're showing. And as for Barnes, they obviously already made a managerial change. So they're looking and actively fighting for the, for the survival at the bottom of the division. So all of those games with what Forrest have done and how they've been effective and ruthless is the word that we use, should be winnable games for Forrest. But again, it's a cliche when it comes to talking about the championship and how unpredictable it can be and how brutal it can be. We could, you could be sat here after a week's worth of games suddenly thinking, mm, was everything that we said about Forrest right? Or is it a flash in the pan when it came to putting teams to bed? But this will be the genuine test. And as Mikey says, it's got the potential to be a very good Christmas going into the new year where you're kind of thinking, well, we had a test there, a different kind of test because it's against teams that inherently they should be beating and the expectations to go and turn them over. But it's not straightforward. But I think you'll have a good sense of what they're about come January with being able to go up against teams like this uh, where they would be the more fancied side. Yeah, 
the Borough game's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Because Wilder really wanted the job, didn't he? It was, he made it very clear. So he'll be right up for that one. So he's put one over on Forrest. Um, let's look ahead then just to the rest of the season. Because obviously, you know, we shouldn't get carried away, but I am getting a bit carried away. And if Greg was on, if Greg Mitchell was here, he'd be talking about automatic promotion. Mikey, you're the pragmatic member of the team that's off and on. How, uh, what's realistic now? You predicted 13th at the start of the season. What, what are you saying right now? Yeah, well, well, Greg texted me saying he's cancelling his playoff hotel. He, he reckons we'll get top two, so I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> but I think in in the real world, um, I think um, my uh, my view is that we're really nicely placed. It's it's a bit another really rubbish metaphor coming up. It's a bit like a horse race. So we're going down to the last few furlongs. We're kind of in the pack. We're nicely placed. Um, what happens in January is key. Uh, I did notice this morning, actually, Matt, that Olympiacos are eight points clear and undefeated at the top of their league. So they don't need any investment. So if there's, if there's a pot of money to go around, sort of put it our way <laughs> rather than them because they're walking it. Um, but, but yeah, seriously, though, uh, I think it's it, it all points to a very positive second half of the season. Prutz made a great point around January window. If it's If it's not busy at all, and the the basis of the team still stays intact by February the first or whenever it shuts. I think most of us fans are going to be really happy. And if we're one one result or maybe two results off that playoffs at that point, um, there is nothing to stop us from them pushing. I just wrote down uh, this morning around who was currently in the playoffs. So you've got West Brom, Blackburn, QPR, and Stoke. And then around us, you've got teams like Coventry, uh, Borough, Huddersfield and Millwall. So that's you shouldn't fear any of them. I think West Brom on the day are very good, but they're beatable, as we almost proved last week. The rest of those, there's, there's no reason why we can't compete with those teams in the second half of the season at all. And, and, and also, you've got to consider how's the January window going to affect those teams as well? Because not every team strengthens. You know, some teams don't. So you might see a few teams fall away during that second half of the season. So that's why I'm, I'm really... I think it's probably the, the most important window we've had for a long time. Maybe since we didn't sign Nicky Shorey all those years ago. Um, under Billy. Um, I just And I think everybody knows that as well. You know, we've got a manager in place now that's playing some great stuff. 28,000 the other week at City Ground fans want to come and see it they'll want to come and see it even more if we're pushing for those top six places so I think it's it's really crucial we keep that core of that team in place and then there's absolutely no reason why we can't push for the top six because then half those teams aren't as good as us I don't think so again no reason and that's that's what the the target should be now I think we've we've stopped looking over our shoulder it will take something dramatic for that to happen again and I think it's just Second half, business end of the season, positivity. Let's see where we can get to. And the, and the running of fixtures doesn't look too bad either. Certainly mm-hmm. coming up anyway. Do you think they've got that, I think I said Stardust earlier, that sprinkling of Stardust pruts that gets you into the top six? Have they got enough match winners throughout the squad? Um, I, I think potentially, uh, as Mikey's saying, and, and perfectly put it into context with the players that are in and around teams um, and doing... Particularly, well, I mean, I'm sure it's not lost on on Forest fans how well Ben Brereton Diaz is doing at Blackburn and the type of form that he's played himself into there under Tony Mowbray is a big part of why they're doing so very, very well. Uh, and QPR, they've got some fantastic players that can turn games. That's a Willock and Cher. Uh, and and with the rest of them, Stoke getting Tyrese Campbell back was obviously a huge boost. But they've had to work through their own injuries to be able to to get to where they've got to. And I've seen a lot of Coventry. They've got some very good individual players. They're perhaps exceeding expectations, which means that maybe there's less pressure on them to that, to have that um, acceptance as a top six challenger. But as for Forrest, given where they are, um, they put, they're perfectly placed with players that can win matches, with a manager. And let's not forget, yes, he might come away from Swansea because of maybe coming to the end of the road with the manager and the squad that were there and obviously the changes that were made with regards to players out of contracts and players that they had on loan. They've got a man who knows to get who knows how to get teams into the playoffs. Whether that's then part of his growth that he gets the Forest side into the playoffs and then gets them through the playoffs. That's another question entirely and one for hopefully for Forest fans to get excited about in the future in the next few months. But I think 
the the chemistry of it right now is is, is pretty good, um, and the chemistry come the end of the January transfer window hopefully hasn't been unbalanced too much that they've got to almost kind of there's been there'd be like maybe like a mini group of games where they've got to get themselves going again and regroup with regards to who they've got available but um, given the the competitiveness and the quality of the division this season I think you've got to be realistic as far as fans I think this is one hell of a chance to get into the top six and get as close as they possibly have done to the Premier League for what's been a very 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 long time Right, I think we'll leave it there because my shopping delivery has just arrived and hopefully the bloke doesn't tear off. Where's it from, from Matt? I bet it's from a dead posh, isn't it? It's from Morrison's? No, it's mid-range, it's, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's, it's, it's your Waitrose at worst, I bet. Yeah. Uh, no, Waitrose last Christmas. <laughs> 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 right, we'll leave it there. You, fuck, you've got to be, I almost swore then, you've got to be Waitrose props, don't you, tell you, me. I know, you almost swore on your own show. That's, I know. that's sacrilegious, isn't it? Your waitrose or Marks, perhaps, surely. No, no, Mar- Marks is. That's what your mum used to say, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, Marks Marks is. Um, no, 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 I'd go foraging around the corner. We live, in, we live in the middle of nowhere, so I'd just go and knock up on farmers' doors and take what I could get. <laughs> so you're a pay, th- pay thief then. Right, lovely. <laughs> Mikey, thank you very much. You can tell us where you shop if you want. Uh, we had a delivery from Asda the other day that's it's delivery so you know i can't be, can't be bothered to go and get it myself so. you also had a cocktail delivered to your house uh, quite recently as well in an ice cream van but yeah a cocktail van goes around our estate and uh, you order cocktail sells alcohol to kids mikey where do you live that's, right. that's, that's... talk about this while i go and answer my door <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, we'll have to end it there. I'm joking. Right. Okay. Thanks very much, everyone, for watching along. And do give us a good rating and do subscribe on YouTube, uh, as it certainly helps, and subscribe on iTunes. And uh, Prots, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll speak before, but have a good Christmas if we don't. You too, fellas. It's been a pleasure as ever. Delightful. Excellent. Mikey, thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, pleasure as always. Thanks, guys. And we'll see everyone soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.